welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder's improved lottery odds, not from us continuing to lose, I guess technically, but because of this magnificent tank battle we saw yesterday. So I'm going to talk about that, the fine lines to the game, and I'm also going to be telling you guys about the game the Thunder will play tonight going up against the Sacramento Kings. But just starting things off, this was a game that has kind of been marked in the calendar books for some fans. I think for the most part, people who've been looking kind of in-depth on the remainder of the season for, for us and our lottery odds, they have been honing in on particularly three teams. And that's going to be the Pistons, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Orlando Magic. They all play each other head-to-head, so each of them have two games apiece, facing off against the other two opponents. And we saw the first matchup in that little stretch last night. And we saw the Detroit Pistons pinned up against the Orlando Magic. And this was a game where, really, it was pretty obvious from the jump this was going to be an all-out tank war. And I'm talking Adam Silver... You know, if he saw our 57-point blowout or whatever and didn't want to give a fine, I mean, technically, maybe you wouldn't fine these guys, but this definitely is much more blatant than what we've seen from any team regardless this season. And, and it kind of comes from both sides, but just reading down the line, the Pistons, they had no Jeremy Grant. They didn't even have Mason Plumley at the five. Dennis Smith Jr., he was out from the game. Jalil Okafor, he was out. Rodney Magruder, no. Corey Joseph, no. Even Wayne Ellington did not get to play. So rattling off those names, I mean, that's two starters and a group of seven guys. And Hamadou Diallo was a game-time decision. He eventually got to play in the game. But this would have been, you know, even worse and even more obvious if the Pistons would have pulled him. But it's pretty clear off that list right there. I can tell you right now that Plumlee, I have him in my fantasy team. He's just getting pulled out because they want to see Isaiah Stewart play and they want to see Tyler Cook play. And then when it comes to Jeremy Grant, they just don't want to win games. Like he he was the centerpiece of the team to start out the year, but he's too good. And going up against a Magic team that really doesn't have anybody right now, playing Jeremy Grant when it tilted the scale, and we haven't seen Grant play in like five, six games, maybe even more, but yeah, I mean, they just aren't trying to play him, so their starting five and beyond was pretty dried out, but they were going up against an opponent in the Magic who still were, you know, just as dried out, maybe even more, because they did not have in the game guys that we actually have known to be in the injury rotation, but plus some. So it was still bad for them. They did not have Jonathan Isaac. As we know, he couldn't even play this year because of, I think of the ACL tear he suffered in the bubble. Hopefully he'll be good to go for next season, but they had to play it safe. So he hasn't even touched the floor this year. And then beyond him, you had another guy and Terrence Ross, who kind of has been the rock. He was the one kind of keystone piece that stayed past the trade deadline. So he wasn't going to be able to play. Otto Porter Jr., was not going to play in the game. Chuma Okiki, one of their kind of key names, I guess technically he'd be a rookie. He might have played 
last year, but I don't remember if he did, honestly. He hasn't played much, though, and he's had a couple of good games. He did not play in the game. Markel Fultz, he's done for the year. James Ennis didn't get to play. Michael Carter-Williams did not get to play. And Devin Kennedy, one of their kind of surprising stars, or not stars, but surprising key pieces off the bench, he was not able to play. He actually is out for a real reason, though. He had to get carted out on a wheelchair about a week ago. So looking at the list there, quite frankly, I couldn't tell you who was strictly just thrown out because of non-injury, just rest purposes, because the main guys in Fultz, Isaac, and uh, I guess even Kennedy, if you want to go that far down, I mean, they, they're going to be out regardless, so their main guys were done for. The guys like Porter Jr. and Ross, though, that's more of a toss-up and you know, when you go down the line, like even with Okiki, it's a little bit rough. So there was almost probably more people inactive than there were active in this game. So it was kind of brutal watching it. And I don't often get to watch uh, opposing teams. Like I pretty much strictly have been watching the Thunder this year because just the time that it takes, I do, um, you know, I watch the game, take notes, post an article, um online about like a recap and then I do the podcast so it's a lot longer of a process than you know you'd kind of first expect like I was surprised but it takes a good chunk of time out to where you know a 6 p.m game is going to take you to like 10 to 11 so you don't really have time to watch these games I try to this was a game that I made sure to watch because I knew no matter the result it was going to be very fun to see kind of the tactics you saw and you saw the tampering with the injury report so I mean everyone playing was either super duper young or just not that amazing anyways so it was just like a youth-filled lineup from both sides and to start the game out there wasn't a ton of separation I will say though the magic started to pull away and come the fourth quarter it looked like they had the game in the bag and then they just let it slip away out of nowhere, the Detroit Pistons got out a 13-2 run, and with six minutes to go in the game, it was a one-possession game. Just three points separating the Magic between the Pistons, and this is when you kind of start rubbing the Magic ball, and you start thinking, both GMs, you already know, Weaver, and I'm sorry, I honestly don't remember the Magic's GM, but he was also probably, you know, they had the same thought in their head, lose the game. So the door opened for the Magic GM. And in terms of Troy Weaver, he was probably really, really mad. But I mean, they kept going and you saw some interesting closing lineups that I don't think typically would be thrown out in a game. And here is what the closing lineups were. So for the Orlando Magic, Chason Randall was at the one. RJ Hampton played at the two. Ignas Brasdigas was at the three. Mo Wagner was playing at the four, and they had Mo Bamba at the five. So out of those five listed players, the only one who honestly would be probably closing out games to them on a normal basis is Mo Bamba now. And even that is a little bit of a stretch because they got Wendell Carter Jr. at that Nikola Vucevic trade. So they didn't have him playing Gary Harris, who they acquired alongside RJ Hampton, was not in the game, and Cole Anthony, the prize possession rookie that has been dominating this past month, he got taken out for Chase on Randall, we had him in the bubble for two games, the blue had him, two games, 
think he's like 26, 27 years old. He's a veteran. He's not going to be a future piece. You put him in for the late game situation over Cole Anthony, who potentially could be one of your, you know, moving forward key pieces in your rebuild here. So you knew what the intentions were with the roster besides Randall. I mean, Brasdigas and Wagner, I think they're both on either 10-day contracts. One of them might be on a two-way, but I think they're on 10-day contracts. They're on tryouts. And I mean, I guess Hampton does make sense because he does fit that bill, but it was really obvious. I mean, if they wanted to get late game time in, they would have played Cole Anthony, hell, even Gary Harris over like Randall. I don't, I don't get it. Well, I do, but you know, it was pretty obvious what their intentions were. And then for the Detroit Pistons, they did a lot better in doing this. They played a legitimate lineup here. They had Killian Hayes, Frank Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, Sadiq Bay, and Isaiah Stewart. So the only real thing where my, it could be a head scratcher is this three guard lineup is so damn small and with Brasdigas and Wagner they're both like I know Wagner's probably going up to like 6'10 maybe even 7 feet I know Brasdigas is definitely pretty tall for like he could probably play power forward honestly so there was a big height discrepancy but it made sense like Killian Hayes they obviously want to play him lottery pick that they're trying to grow looked like a bust during the year want to see him play Frank Jackson been a darling on that two-way contract he's been getting 20 point games pretty much every game since about middle of april and then with diallo you want to see him grow so it all makes sense with them but once you got into the plays that's where you said you know what maybe it's not even the roster it's just it's something beyond our control here and maybe you know they were trying to win these these games but the final plays down the stretch kind of made you wonder what was going on so in the span, Orlando, they wanted to go to Mo Bamba in the post every single play. And it worked out pretty well. And they even went to Brasdigas on cutting. So they wanted to just attack the basket. They got good looks in there. But for the Pistons, they were just all over the place. They didn't really have a game plan. They shot 15 times in the final, I think, six minutes. And five of them came from downtown. So they were just throwing the ball around, taking kind of wild shots every every so often but they did get inside for some dunks too so it was still an even coded back and forth and it seemed like both of them were really trying to win this game until about the final minute so just kind of setting the stage here for this play the Orlando Magic they were up six points it was 116 to 110 29.7 seconds to go I think Isaiah Stewart corralled the rebound and Hamadou Diallo came down crossing the timeline looking to either set up a, a fast break or get in the half court set fast maybe throw you know a pass out for like a frank jackson or something get a catch and shoot three point being you need to score a, a quick quick two or just pull a three and keep your fingers crossed that's not what happened he did not go for either of those two he awkwardly kind of approached the left wing and then he just went in. He was hovering around, and then he just crossed into the mid-range. He was around 20 feet from the basket, just dribbling the ball around. And he did like two, three hesitations where it looked like he'd step back and take a three, but he didn't do it. He froze up, drained about five seconds, and with the all-o shot, I mean, 
He's had times where he's looked good, but he's not a good shooter. And with a, a deep two, with the circumstances, it was just a boneheaded play. He shanked it. And then on the other side, I think Bamba got it. They dribbled the ball down the other side. The Pistons didn't even want to foul. 116 to 110. And you're talking off of the catch and going the other way. There were 17 seconds left. You definitely should have made some sort of play there. And it got to the point where... To even get the Pistons to play defense, or try to, Mo Bamba slashed the basket, got himself a nice and one, and Frank Jackson grabbed the ball and slammed it against the hardwood, ended up bouncing into the, the bottom of the iron, got him a tech too, but they just, they weren't engaged, it was over at that point. You know, that is something that I think if the Thunder did, they would be plastered all over any social media you want to talk about, Reddit, Twitter. They're going to be on the homepage for that stretch of plays because we have been the target. Thunder, they've been the target for these kind of tanking, you know, posts. This is the team that has been kind of honed in as the group tanking because no Horford, SGA still out, Dort's out every once in a while. It makes sense because we're definitely tanking. And I think a lot of these rests are really just not necessary. When I'm saying that, obviously, you know, keeping health is number one priority, but we could still throw them out. They don't need to be resting back to backs. So it makes sense. But if we did something like this, where with a six point game, we just take a deep two, drain 10 seconds in the process and not even attempt to go for a quick foul, you'd automatically be fine. So I don't know what's going to happen with the Pistons there, but that was a terrible end play. And I think, honestly, that really just embodies the difference between a tanking team and a non-tanking team. With the Thunder, we would not have done that. It doesn't matter if we're down 10 points with 5 seconds. They play the game like it's a one-possession lead with, you know, like a Game 7 Finals on the line. They go at it, and I'm specifically talking about some of these hustle guys like Kenrich Williams, really. You see him, he's scrappy. He's going to go over every single loose ball, every single closeout. We saw it against the Suns with the Chris Paul travel. They called that, you know, after review, they said, you know, maybe it wasn't a travel, but that Booker out of bounds, which we know happened. Those kind of plays, you see it, and it's kind of infectious through the whole entire core. So we wouldn't see that with the Thunder. With the Pistons not clamping up or getting the offensive possession necessary, it makes you wonder, but guess what? It does not really matter because with this end result, there is a new kind of groundwork that has been laid out. The Oklahoma City Thunder is not in a fight for the fifth best lottery odds. They are in a fight for the fourth best lottery odds now. And with that Detroit Pistons loss, they're good to go. They are a full game ahead of Minnesota. They're trapped in at the two spot right now. They got to play them, but right now, they look pretty good. Minnesota, as I said, a game back, but right behind them, five games back from Houston, there is a two-way tie now between the Orlando Magic and the Oklahoma City Thunder. And right behind them, you have the Cleveland Cavs. They got a really luxurious two-day break. Hopefully that means they get a W um, in tonight's game, but they still are 21 and 43. So they're a half game back. If they lose, it's a three-way tie and it's going to be even more stressful, honestly. But with us, 
tied at 21 and 44, only have seven games remaining in the regular season. So it's going to be nail biting every single time we see them play. But yeah, I mean, there's a real conversation here. Now we can potentially hopscotch them. And with Minnesota having to play both Detroit and Orlando still, we could get past maybe even Minnesota too. And I don't know, I'd say it might be far-fetched for the Pistons, but you can't leave it out at either. So it's a real battle here. It got completely gashed open with this one. And we got two more really big ones coming up whenever Minnesota takes on those two respective teams but yeah I mean that was huge news and I think one of the big deals with this was which team did we want to actually win this game and it was a back and forth on who I actually wanted to win because I think with the Magic and the Pistons a lot of what you need to base it off of is the future schedule they have but also I mean the Orlando Magic came into this game as the worst record anyways so them losing means we're in that tie now if it would have been Detroit getting that W we would still be a half game back and you really wouldn't have much to talk about tonight but with it them being tied you're good but the deal is with the Magic they don't really have any more games outside the Timberwolves one where I could see them losing their next easiest opponent in quotes, is going to be the Charlotte Hornets. They got LaMelo Ball back. They're not going to be losing a game. And outside of that, they play the Sixers twice, the Bucks, the Hawks, and the Celtics. They're not going to lose those. I know we beat the Celtics out of nowhere. I don't think it'd work out with the Magic. I'm going to be honest. So I, I think at best, they win one more of these. If not, it's just full house they lose. And with the Timberwolves, they're looking a lot better now. The Magic, I don't see them taking anybody off the injury report. So I think they still go probably winless here. And for the Pistons, I think that's kind of the main reason why you'd consider, you know, maybe they should have been the ones winning this game because they still play the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I think they'd have a much better shot. They have a lot of flamethrowers on this roster. I'm talking Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, Frank Jackson has kind of grown on them to where they can get a big three. And with the Timberwolves being so kind of wishy-washy, you catch them on a bad day, that's going to be an easy W. And now you're talking two more wins. The Thunder would be up pretty sizably there. So they'd have a good grasp on things. I think they'd be able to win that game. And then even looking beyond that one, I still think there's potential for them to maybe nab another one. They play the Chicago Bulls. They, as I'm recording this, are getting blown out right now against the Philadelphia 76ers. So they're going to lose another one. They're they're definitely trending downwards. And with Levine out due to COVID-19 protocols, they're very weak and they're prone to kind of an upset loss with a team like the Pistons. So they have a lot more routes for winning. I think they can take two more. If they would have had that magic one that tallies it to three out of their final eight games. But you really can't just speculate on it anymore. You got to wait and see. But I think in the now, it was a good thing the Magic won. In the long term, this could have been pretty devastating because I do think the Pistons probably have just a little bit more left in the tank. But moving right along from yesterday's tank game, the Thunder, they're caught in the midst of one tonight. 
And this is a team that we have been kind of dreading for about a couple weeks now. We've seen them on the schedule. We know what we're in for. And it's going to be coming through in Sacramento. We play them a little bit at home, but you need to be looking towards Sacramento, California right now because the Thunder are going to be facing the Kings, not just tonight, but in their next seven. They're going to be playing them three different times. And the next two, the back two, are going to be played in a baseball set. So it's kind of scary. In terms of, you know, lottery standings, the Sacramento Kings, they're not going to be able to shell out a top five spot, not even top six, because there is kind of a lock between the Cleveland Cavaliers and just everyone else going from seven down, but they can make a move. They can enhance from the ninth spot to the seventh best odds off of just a game. So there's just a one game difference between the Chicago Bulls, the Raptors, and the Sacramento Kings. So they can make some movement, and based on the injury report, it seems like that is the ideal route they're going to be going with. Because if they end up going that way, they move from a 4.5 chance at the number one pick to a 7.5 chance um, at the first pick. And even looking at just top four, they'd go from a 20.3% shot to a 31.9% chance. So that's a lot. And with them kind of trying to get someone to pair with Fox and Halliburton, they want to be able to get a top pick. They want to be able to get a guy like Evan Mobley, Kuminga, if they get a luxury point guard, you see kind of where they work with that, but they want to be gathering assets. They're still in a rebuild. It's not really kind of going to be spiking up out of nowhere unless they get more capital. So they probably need to be losing and it's pretty smart. So looking at their injuries right now, it's pretty gutted here. They don't have De'Aaron Fox. We knew this going in that Fox probably would not be playing. He hasn't played in weeks now and it's because he's been in COVID-19 protocols. So he got ruled out for the game, but how about this? Tyrese Halliburton, the man who is giving LaMelo a headache for Rookie of the Year, he's not going to be playing in this game either. So they just got completely smashed at the point guard position. They really don't have a big leader in command anymore. And even looking down the board, if you want to get nitpicky, Robert Woodard the third is not going to be playing. Check that the second. He's not going to be playing and he was actually really, really good in the G League bubble. Gave a very tough time for Moses Brown. And then with Chesme Metu, another kind of underdog player in the front court, he's questionable. So we don't know what we're going to see from him. And then when you look at the Thunder aspect of things, they really don't have any toss-ups here outside of Alexei Pokashevsky. We saw him go out at halftime in the last game due to, I think, a hip strain um but yeah he got pulled out and he said he was a little bit in discomfort so he got the day off uh yesterday but we'll see if he's able to play it's going to be a game time decision most likely but you're going to be getting Dort Bays obviously no SGA but this is the same team pretty much that you saw against the Phoenix Suns and Oklahoma City took that wire to wire and damn near almost won the thing so I think when you're talking in a matchup right now the Oklahoma City Thunder are entering this one with a lot more ammunition. And maybe they pull something like the Pistons or the Magic where they don't play Dort and they don't play Bays or something wild like that. They're going to need to update that 
as I said, I'm recording this the night before. It'd have to be the day of. So there's going to be, I think, two more injury reports, maybe even three that come out. But I'm assuming that they're all going to be playing because, you know, if you're going to be doing that kind of strategy, you probably want to get it in early. So it's not just kind of slipped in there, hoping that it doesn't fall uh, under the cracks because it definitely will be pretty apparent as to what is going on. So it's going to be a full steamed Thunder team going up against a Sacramento lineup that is going to have their point guard leader in DeLon Wright. And DeLon Wright's a good backup point guard, don't get me wrong, but he's not like an all-star. He's not going to be someone rifling down 25. Hopefully, because I said that, he will, but he's not one of those electric point guards like a De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton. He's kind of just a fill-in that will give you 20 to 24 solid minutes on a good day. Luckily, they still have Buddy Heald playing. He has had a bunch of pretty solid games against the Oklahoma City Thunder, so he will need to be an actual superstar in this game. Mo Harkless is going to be the starting three, most likely. And then at the power forward spot, Harrison Barnes is currently listed as the guy. Expect him to be a questionable call, though. He's listed as day-to-day, not actually on the official injury report right now. But we could see him out of nowhere getting pulled. So without Harrison Barnes, they're even more kind of weakened down at the edges. And at the five, I'm not even going to complain. They have Rashawn Holmes. They also have right behind him, Damian Jones. Got him to, I think, a multi-year contract because of how he's played on his two 10-day contracts. And as a third string, there's Hassan Whiteside. So they have a really good kind of rotation at the center spot. And even looking at the power forward, let's say that, you know, Harrison Barnes can't play for one reason or another. They have Marvin Bagley Jr., who, despite being in the, the trade swirls for about two months, starting in January, he's come back around and he's looked very, very good. So he can get, you know, a 20 and 10 double-double in about a flash of an eye. And that's the kind of guy you want to be seeing when we're trying to be losing games. They got role players like Terrence Davis, who with Toronto was pretty good, kind of got shut down in this year. But before that, I thought he was a very good addition, especially coming out of his undrafted rookie campaign. But yeah, I mean, that that's literally about it. They're not going to be rolling out a very big roster here. And for the Thunder, I mean, they're going to have a lot of options. So you can't really just automatically say this is an L. You'd hope that they lose all three of these games because these are going to be the tightest ones. Outside of the Kings games, the Oklahoma City Thunder really don't have any more gigantic like tank chess matches. When I'm talking about who they're going to be playing next, they play the Jazz, the Clippers, and the Warriors two different times. The Warriors have an unbelievable with Steph Curry. Utah, we got them really close in, um, in the beginning of the season, but I wouldn't really even imagine them winning and then with the los angeles clippers they got Kawhi leonard and paul george what else do i need to be saying so those are the three games that they could potentially win and this is the one i think outside of all the others is going to be the one that we would win because you know when we play them in the uh the baseball set i believe it's on the 9th and 11th so about in like i don't know six days is when we kick that back off five six days I'd assume that Fox would be cleared from COVID-19 protocols and Halliburton would be back and Harrison Barnes, if he's gone, God forbid, would also be there. So it'd be a much more even matchup. But right now, I just don't really 
think they have the advantage there. The main deal is Oklahoma City's kind of big weak spot so far has been guarding the perimeter with Buddy Heald. He's a very good sharpshooter, but another thing they've been pretty bad at has been just dealing with some of the bigs down low. And the Kings, that's their strong suit right here. I think Rashawn Holmes kind of matches up pretty well with Moses Brown. And then even beyond that, Marvin Bagley is going to be, I think he's probably going to be a pretty big, um, big beast for Baisley to slay just because of how close to the rim uh, Bagley likes to play. And then he even goes in the post at times. And then even talking about Whiteside, if he's going to play or um, Damian Jones, even. I think those are pretty good guys. So I think the bigs would probably be where they would need to start for a victory here. Obviously, Buddy Heald means the world. DeLon Wright, he's had games, especially with the Pistons this year, where he stepped up when Killian Hayes was injured. We'll have to kind of see that rekindled if they want a W. And if Harrison Barnes plays, he could be that X factor. If not, you look towards the guys like Mo Harkless or Terrence Davis. But it's not going to be a big rotation. I'd probably predict a nine-man or ten-man rotation coming out of the Kings lineup with us. We're probably going to be rolling out like 12, 13 guys. We're not going to be holding anyone back that we know of now. So this isn't going to be just a walk-in, take your L and, and get over with it. This is probably going to be one where it's going to be down to the wire. So get ready. Get your popcorn. The game is slated to start at 7 p.m. So knowing the tip-off and everything, probably 7:10 is your go-to. But you know this is going to be probably one of the bigger games we see all year. So make sure to watch it. And if you guys are not able to for one reason or another, do not worry. I will be able to cover it in tomorrow's episode. I'll give you guys a recap and any other stories if they come um servicing due to what we saw just around the league or through the thunder in the game but other than that though guys that is going to wrap up today's episode i thank you all for listening and i will talk to you all next time see ya